So we're going to continue in this uh, Reconnect series this week. We started a couple of weeks ago talking about how important it is to be connected with God and with each other. And last week, Thomas talked about being reconnected with our identity as children of God. This week, we're going to talk some about reconnecting with God as we move forward in this series and start to work our way out of a pandemic shutdown. So as we go with this, I'm going to uh, take you back. I mean, when I was young... Uh, and we were learning how to work with things, uh, one of the things we had to be aware of was what do you do with the cord? Because in the days before batteries, all power tools had cords, right, Jeff? You remember that? And, and so, you know, there was a thing, that, I mean, you did a thing called cord safety, about learning how to work safely with these so that nobody got tripped up and nobody got electrocuted or anything like that. And, and the object was we all wanted to avoid being that guy, right? Well, maybe, maybe right. Yeah, but does it need a new battery, Jeff? Is that the problem? Yeah, you don't want to be this guy, you know. You, you get so caught up in what you're doing and so going through it, you know, that you don't realize you're about to cut through the cord. And so this was kind of a thing when we were growing up. I mean, be, be safe. And, and we just learned that. And I assumed everybody knew this. So then I go to Appalachia Service Project, take a bunch of kids up, and we're working on this house. The flooring's all rotted out, and we're replacing the flooring. So we go in, and after we do all the demolition work, we're getting ready to put the new floors in. And I'm going, okay, so I need, you know, I need a crew inside. And I need somebody outside to be you know, cutting the wood and somebody to be bringing it in. And one of the guys says, oh, I, I know how to do that. I, I know how to use the power saw. I do this all the time. Okay, so you're going to be outside. You're going to be cutting the wood for us. And the rest of us took up chores and everything. And, and we went inside. And he began cutting and passing the lumber in. And we began putting down this new floor. And a few minutes went by. And all of a sudden, it went quiet outside. And the lumber stopped coming in. And I go out there and I go, what's going on? He says, well, I don't know. The saw just lost power. Well, you know, the, 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 the first thing you check for, right, is the simple stuff, right? I said, so is it, is it plugged in? Uh, yeah, it's still plugged in. And then I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, wait a minute. And, and, and about that far from the saw, he's cut through the cord. Okay, so, so we splice it and put it back together. And I said, okay, you need to be more careful. Yeah, yeah, I will be, I will be. I go back inside. He starts cutting lumber again. A few minutes later... It goes silent again. I walk out. He holds the saw up. This time he's got about this far down the cord before he cut it, right? So we splice again and fix it. I go back inside. We start cutting the lumber. I hear him out there cutting lumber, and we're working on this floor. And all of a sudden, it goes silent again. I go out there. Now he's got about this much cord, and he's cut through it. I said, okay, give that to me. You know, three strikes and you're out, you're done. So we splice that up and said, okay, you're inside. Now I need somebody else out here to cut this. And, and one of the young women on the crew goes, I want to do it. Okay, have you ever used one of these before? Nope. So we walked her through how to use a power saw and do all that kind of stuff. She cut all the rest of the wood for the floor. The whole rest of the floor, she did it without cutting through the cord, right? And so we learned a couple of things that day. One, you know, if you want a power tool to work, one, you have to be connected to the power, Right? What's the second lesson? There you go. Yeah, let a woman do it. Yeah, that's the second lesson. Yeah, but, but here's the deal. You know, here, here's the thing. You know, we, we understand that with that, but why is it that we, we try to live our lives as Christians without realizing that if we're not connected, if we're not plugged in to the life of God, we're not going to have the power of the life of God in us? So let's pray. Mighty Father, we give you thanks for gathering us here this morning, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to be in worship again, uh, and we ask that your spirit would come and be present with us and open us up to what you would say to us. 
Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, so Jesus understood that we needed to be connected. That's why he gives us this teaching uh, in the 15th chapter of John. I'm the true vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I just want to stop and remind you, even when you're fruitful, there's pruning that's involved in that. And that, that can be uncomfortable, but nonetheless, that's part of growing in faith. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. And some translations will say dwell or abide. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This understanding that that to be connected with God is it's like a you know the branch of a vine. You know, it, it draws its life and its nutrition from the vine and the roots that go in the ground and and if the branch isn't connected it it withers up and dies and and if we're not connected with god and the life of god pretty soon spiritually we wither and die now now that should be fairly obvious and it sounds like a pretty obvious teaching and be easy for people to get a hold of and and yet even in hebrews uh, we come across this kind of encouragement to remain connected As the writer uh, writes and says, Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full insurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I want to make a couple of comments right here before we read the rest of this. I mean, first off, you know, the, who wrote Hebrews? There's, there's some discussion about who was the actual author. The best argument I can make for Paul being the actual author of this is that he just did a whole paragraph with one sentence. And only Paul writes that way. I mean, his Greek is interesting, to put it mildly. But the other piece of this to understand is that this reference to the curtain and in, in the early period of temple worship, uh, you know, the Holy of Holies was separated from the rest of the area by a big curtain, and only the high priest was allowed to go through, and, and the high priest then mediated the presence of God to those outside the curtain. And you'll remember on Good Friday when, when Jesus is crucified, one of the things we're told is the curtain of the temple is torn in two. Yeah. Christ makes a way for us to have the presence of God mediated directly to us through himself. So we no longer have to go through you know, some other high priest. We have the only one that we need to go through, which is Jesus. And that's what this reference is. So now you, you can be directly connected to God. You no longer need somebody to help you. do. You, you can be in direct relationship and connected to God. And so let us hold unswervingly the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This kind of encouragement to remain connected, to be connected with one another. Even in the early church, they needed to hear that. 
Now, in this, in this passage, he's talking about people who, who disconnect, I mean, who just, you know, have other things to do or uh, get busy, decide they don't need to do that anymore, whatever. I mean, we've been in a little different situation where we could not come to worship, you know, where things were closed down and, and we were disconnected kind of, you know, by, by necessity. And in that disconnection, uh, most of us felt that. I mean, we felt that with our families that we couldn't get together with some of the people we love, and we, and we found ourselves feeling kind of isolated and disconnected from them uh, with our worshiping community. And, and by extension, some of us found ourselves feeling disconnected from God because we couldn't come to worship, we couldn't be together with our friends. I mean, and, and the web and Zoom is a great piece of technology, and for those of us who, who've needed to use that and who are still needing to use it, it's great that we have it. It's not a full substitute, though, and, and even with the web, it's pretty easy to watch people on, on the screen and then begin to feel kind of distant and disconnected. And so the writer of Hebrews encourages us, you know, be, be connected, maintain that connection, stay in there, be in worship. You know, God has made a way for you to be in direct relationship with God, to be directly plugged into the power of God's life. Keep that connection safe. Keep that connection maintained so that the life of God can be active in your life. Now, I'm going to take you in a little different direction for a minute. A couple, of, a number of years back, uh, there was a big study that was done by Willow Creek Church up in Illinois. And uh, Willow Creek is, had a big uh, following to people who were new Christian seekers. Uh, and, and so that was kind of their big push. But they wanted to know, how are we doing in terms of helping people grow in their faith? And so they commissioned a study called Revealed. And when the study results came back, they were kind of shocked to find they really weren't doing that well with it. And so they, they began to work in this study and, and say, you know, what does it take to, for people to grow in their faith? So the initial study was a three-year process. It was led by a researcher. There were 11,000 roughly completed surveys that were done and several hundred in-depth interviews that took part of this uh, research. And then when they got that back and saw what it was telling them, they, they expanded the scope. They went out to uh, churches in the Willow Creek Network, uh, roughly 1,000 churches, and about a quarter of a million people who completed surveys to give them information. And out of that data that they got, uh, they kind of boiled that down and came up with some things about what does it mean and, and what does it take for us to maintain that connection, be plugged in and continue to grow and thrive in God. Now, the first thing they did was they, they kind of found that people grouped themselves into four different groups, uh, going from left to right, you know, from, from new Christians to those who are deeply established, uh, from exploring Christ, uh, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Christ, my faith is not a significant part of my life, to growing in Christ, I believe in Jesus and I'm working on what it means to get to know Him, to close to Christ, I feel really close to Christ and depend on Him daily for guidance, to Christ-centered. My relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship in my life. It guides everything I do. Now, the interesting thing with this is between growing in Christ and close to Christ, there was a big kind of division. There was an opportunity in each one of these phases to kind of stall out in our faith development. But the biggest stall was between those two centered ones because there's a movement that has to take place there where we go from being passive recipients of Christianity to being active participants. And people tended to stall out there the most. They couldn't quite get through that movement from being passive to active. And the language they would use is they would say, I'm not being fed anymore. 
And the reason they're not being fed anymore is they've reached the point where they can no longer receive passively. But they haven't quite made that step to being active in their faith. So I, I don't know where you kind of, as you look at this, you know, if one of those jumps out and says, yeah, I think that's where I'm at. But you might think about, you know, does one of these sound more like where I'm at in my faith or not? Now I'm going to move forward with this and tell you there's some uh, core kinds of beliefs and attitudes that define this. The first step going from exploring to growing involves some certain attitudes. And then, I mean, you can see as that goes from growing to close and close to Christ. The interesting thing is the two things that were really stood out across the board was that Christ is first. Christ has primary importance in my life is one of those attitudes. And the other was the authority of Scripture in my life. Those were the two things that ran across the board as being important core beliefs or attitudes throughout our development and our growth as Christians. Early on in faith, that, that salvation by grace is important to understand that we're saved by grace. This is God's free, unmerited gift of love to us. It's not that we earn it, but rather that God gives this to us and presents this to us. And along with that is developing an understanding that God is a personal God, that this isn't just a concept not just an abstract, but this is a person that wants and desires to be in relationship with us and us to be in relationship with him. That God reaches out in love and desires to be with us. Later on in development, uh, you can see that that personal God, salvation by grace, gets kind of morphed in. You have identity in Christ, understanding that we are God's beloved children, which is uh, what Thomas was talking about last week. Uh, developing that becomes crucial to continuing to grow forward. And early on in our faith, understanding the concept of the Trinity is important. And, and I, you know, it doesn't carry on in here, but I'm, I'm thinking that one really, in a lot of ways, it does for a lot of us because it, it's such a difficult thing to get our heads around. Uh, but then on the far end, on the right, you can see there's a few things that help us move from close to Christ-centered, which is that getting that place of really actually giving my life away uh, and, and stewardship of, of all that I have and all that I am and offering that to Christ in Christ's service. The meat of this for today is the seven personal spiritual practices. These are the, the things that we do that help us stay plugged in to God. Uh, and you'll notice it's interesting. The first two are reading Scripture and reflection on Scripture. I thought that's interesting. Those, those are across the board important. Now, I don't know about you. I, I grew up in the United Methodist Church. And when I was growing up in the United Methodist Church, you know, uh, reading the Bible wasn't emphasized that much. In fact, you know, people that walked around with their Bibles all the time and always had a verse ready to repeat and quote to you and all that, we had a name for those people. What do we call them? Baptists. <laughs> but here's the deal. They were right and we were wrong. They were right and we were wrong. We cheated ourselves on this. By saying, oh, we don't really need to, to learn the Bible. I'm like, oh, it's not that. Yeah, yeah, it is that important. You know, we cheated ourselves on this. So, you know, if you find yourself in that place of going, I don't know Scripture all that well, being conversant with the Word, and remember Jesus is the Word made flesh, is the number one way we grow in our understanding of who God is and God's love for us. It, it, it's vitally important across the board, no matter where you are in your faith journey. Interestingly, also in your faith journey, that, that prayer to seek guidance, you'll notice it goes across the board. Uh, it's important. And prayer 
to seek guidance is not the same thing as just prayer. Too often when we pray, we just talk to God. Prayer to seek guidance is listening for what God says back to us. Learning to hear the voice of God. Uh, we do listening prayer here. That's listed up on the website, and there's opportunities for it, and you can participate in that. And the first time I encountered that, I thought, well, you know, it sounds kind of hokey a little bit. But, but, but having participated with it over a period of time, uh, I've learned that that's an amazing gift. Uh, you know, a group of us gets together, and we say, okay, so what's the question we're going to ask? And we all agree about what the question is. And then we separate, and we go out to different places. Uh, we self-select scripture passages that we want to read. We pray about that question, and then we listen. When we come back together, then we share. You know, what, what, what did you hear? You know, what, what did you feel God was saying to you? What did you intuit God was saying to you in that? It's amazing to me how often when we come back together, we've all heard the same thing. Or we come back together, and part of us have heard this, and some of us have heard that, and it's complementary together. I've never done a listening prayer exercise where we came back together with things that conflicted. It's amazing. You know, too often in our lives, we make our plans and decide what we're going to do, and then we go and we ask God to bless it. And then we wonder why it doesn't turn out to be so great. Maybe if we spend a little more time asking God to guide us in that uh, and let God direct us, that blessing might flow more richly. Prayer for spiritual guidance is it's a powerful practice to cultivate for us. Now, now, I want you to notice that right below that, on the upper end of those two upper uh, transitions, is the word tithing. When I read this, I thought, you know, every pastor in America is jumping up and down with joy right now, right? Because we, we talk about tithing, you know, every, to, to our congregations, and there's always people in the church that go, yeah, 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 yeah. You're just trying to get more money out of us. You, you notice, though, that these quarter million people said that was a spiritual practice that actually grew them in their faith. Because it was a way of acknowledging with gratitude what God has done for us, but also acting, acting first, acting off the first fruits as a way of committing to God and saying, as you've provided in the past, I trust you'll provide in the future. It, it helps us learn to lean into God and count on God to take care of the things that we need in life in a way that's more radical than what most of us will do on our own. It's powerful. Journaling is another thing that's it's listed there. You know, writing down a journal. The first time I did a journaling exercise was a prayer journal where you write down, these are the things I'm praying for today, every day. And then as each day goes on, you look back. You keep looking back at what you pray for, and you keep listing the things that are suddenly becoming answers. And you make the connection. You know, too often we pray, and then when God does something later over here, we get the answer, but we don't make the connection between the two. And a prayer journal helps you go, oh, wait a minute. I prayed about that, and now God is doing this. So we understand that God's active in our lives and moving in our lives. A journaling can be powerful to help us become aware of all the things that God is doing for us. And the way my grandmother used to do it was to end each day writing down the things she was thankful for. You know, that old song, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. She would do, at the end of it, she'd sing the song while she wrote it down. But she would write down all the things that God had done for her that day so that she went to bed with a heart of gratitude. Uh, with a heart of gratitude instead of a heart of, of wondering. 
Uh, solitude is an important kind of uh, practice to be in. This is not the solitude being enforced because of COVID. This is the kind of solitude you voluntarily engage in. Uh, the first time I did it was way back in seminary uh, and, and did an exercise that I can remember being at a Franciscan uh, retreat center, uh, but it was a silent retreat center where you didn't talk to anybody. You didn't even talk to people at mealtime. The only time you talked was during worship when you participated in worship. And it felt really awkward. But to step out for that time, to turn off your agendas, have your reminders set aside, and to be in a place where it's just you alone with God and no other conversation going on is vital to helping us learn to hear the voice of God in our lives. And it's become powerful enough that I've still repeated this uh, every so often where I'll step aside for three or four days at a time just to be alone in the presence of God. I'm going to tell you, Cindy has tried to do this with me and, and, and really doesn't, not real thrilled with it. Uh, and, and my predecessor here, uh, Bishop Lowry, talks about going down to Leb Shemaiah uh, in Sarita, Texas, just south of Kingsville, to do a silent retreat. And he said about the second day he realized he was talking to a tree and decided, yeah, that's not really my thing. So, it, it, you know, it, it's one of those things, it, it, it's, it's, it can be uncomfortable and it can be difficult until you've kind of learned how to be in that place. But it's a great way to learn to hear the voice of God above all the other voices that clamor for our attention all the time, day and night. To turn all that off and just listen to hear what God has to say. Finally, I'm going to say early on in our faith, you see prayer to confess sins over there at the bottom left. That prayer to confess sins, I think, especially for those who are new to Christianity, is important because too often people have the idea that somehow another confession is all about making ourselves feel bad. And actually, the idea of confession is to come and understand that, that you know, once you lift us up to God, that God forgives, that God loves, God wants to be in a relationship. It's not about making yourself feel bad. It's about making yourself more aware of how deeply God loves you. And that can be a powerfully freeing kind of thing. I'm going to mention a few other things, but this is kind of the meat of what I want you to kind of focus on uh, today. There were other things about you know, spiritual activities in the church. Uh, friendships, spiritual friendships for those who are new uh, as they become introduced to Christ is important. And then, you know, evangelism and spiritual mentors and serving those in need on my own. Uh, and, and the on my own is important, not, not doing it because somebody tells you to, but because of your own initiative. Uh, these are important kind of activities that go on in our lives. And I, I'm just going to comment about spiritual mentors. Most of us have those. We don't often get to acknowledge it. Uh, but Don McAvoy and I did a, a, a service of remembrance and celebration out of Remembrance Gardens this uh, past week for my fifth grade Sunday school teacher. Uh, and I thought, now how often do you get to come back and honor your fifth grade Sunday school teacher? First off, I'm pretty sure in fifth grade they probably all thought, well, it's going to be a good thing if he doesn't end up in prison. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where they were at then, you know. And so, you know, it was an honor that they, when I came here, they chose to worship with us. But but to get to, you know, welcome her into heaven and send her on that next leg of her journey and to do that for somebody who was so influential for me early in my life. You know, what a privilege and, and what an honor that is. Uh, but spiritual mentors, they're, they're important to us. They make a difference in our lives. 
And six organized church activities. We'll talk more about church stuff next week, really. But just to kind of look at that, and you'll notice that, you know, again, serving people in need through the church, weekend services, serving the church, small groups, adult education classes. And then you can see that down at the bottom, additional teaching and worship service. Because as we grow deeper in our faith, our activity moves more from kind of structured and organized to, to more organic. It's part of who we are and kind of built into us. We'll talk more about that next week. Uh, when they looked at all this, they looked at 50 different spiritual catalysts, things that help people grow. And here's the summary of the top five. Reading and reflecting on the Bible is the most powerful catalyst for individual spiritual growth, no matter where you are in your journey. Developing core Christian beliefs is crucial for those in the early stages of spiritual growth. Personal spiritual practices are the building blocks for a Christ-centered life. Serving is the most catalytic experience offered by churches. And we learned that here a number of years ago because people would go out on mission trips and they would say, well, you know, we went out to serve them, but we feel like we're the ones that got blessed the richest, the most. And they were. Uh, It's a powerful experience of God's love to be in that place. And spiritual community is vital and it migrates from organized to organic. It goes from where someone else is structuring it for you to where it's part of your life and you desire it and you want it. No one has to structure it for you anymore. I mean, those kind of things, that are, those practices that we involve in, those are, those are ways we stay plugged in. Now, I want you to hear, it's just the way we stay plugged in. The practice in and of itself is only valuable in that it allows us to connect with the life of God. But it's vital for us to be connected to the life of God. I mean, even Jesus understood that it was important for him to stay connected with the Father and the Spirit and the Trinity. I mean, you have in Mark's gospel, early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I keep thinking, you know, if, if Jesus needed to take that time to do that, why do we keep thinking we don't need to do that? I mean, if Jesus needed to do that, surely we need to do that? Years ago, I was challenged by a young pastor up in Dallas about how I start my day, and, and that kind of revolutionized my thinking. He says, why, why do you give the first part of your day to anybody but God? You know, Why do you start with the news and all that stuff? Why, with the world, why don't you start with God? So, so my morning ritual ever since then has been to get up, and on my phone I have an app that throws a, scripture, a piece of scripture up for me every day. And then I moved to the daily text with J.D. And, and, and read through, you know, scripture and commentary on that. And I have a time of prayer and move through a little bit of the morning uh, devotion that Wesley sent over and do some of that. That's, that's how every morning, morning starts. And then once I've done that, once I, I, I've been in contact with God, reconnected myself with the life of God that first, now I'm ready, I can look at the news. And what a difference it makes to engage the world from a place of remembering who I am as a child of God, to engage the world from a place of understanding who I am as a follower of Christ. What a difference it makes to be plugged in and be connected. So as you came in, you got some little cards looking like this. I'm going to direct you the first side of it says, what improves your connection to God? And if you've got a pen, you can write it down now. If not, you can write it later. But I want you to take a minute and just think about three to five things in your life that you feel like helps you be connected with the life of God. So just take a, take a few seconds and think about that.
And now if you turn the card over on the back, you'll find another question which says, what disrupts your connection to God? So write down and think about three to five things that disrupt your connection to God. So here, here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. On the list of things that improves your connection, I want you to select one of those things that you're not doing on a regular basis that you're not really good at keeping up with and be intentional this week about doing that. And on the side that says what disrupts, I want you to pick one of the things that gets in the way and be intentional about not doing that or not engaging in that. And, and just see if... You can do that for four or five days and notice if that doesn't improve your connection with God. You see, we need to be plugged into the life of God so that the life of God can become alive in us. And if we're not plugged in, there's no power. If we are plugged in, we become more alive in God. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we give you thanks that you have poured out your life and your grace upon us. We ask as we move into this week that you would help us to to come and, and bring ourselves to be connected with you, to be more in touch with you, that your life might flow into us and we might become more alive in you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.